Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoy this performance, please consider a donation to No Theatre. Your support is more important now than ever before. Your contribution will help us keep No alive until we can return to bringing you live theatre in downtown Binghamton. Visit notheater.org and make your donation today. Thank you so much for your support. KTRP, the No Theater Radio Players. I'm your host, Tim Gleason. We're so glad to have you with us for this production of Percival Wilde's The Sequel. No Theater has brought thought-provoking dramas, entertaining comedies, and everything in between to downtown Binghamton for over 25 years. And KTRP is proud to now bring the same quality theater straight to you over the airwaves, wherever you may be. So whether you're right around the corner or halfway around the world, a first-time listener or a frequent patron, at home or on the road, welcome to the show. Now, sit back, settle in, and travel with us to a time when marriage was a transaction. Reputation meant everything, and appearances had to be maintained. Perhaps a time when things were different than today, or perhaps not so much. It was a time when stages were filled with light romances of little substance, creating young couples left and right, but this, this is something just a bit different. This is Percival Wilde's The Sequel. the situation on which the curtain has fallen thousands of times in thousands of well-regulated dramas? Do you remember how they faced each other, and how there were tears in his eyes, or her eyes, or their eyes? Do you mentally picture how he, or she, or they, brushed the above-mentioned tears away, or let them remain where they were? And how she whispered, "'Yes, Jack,' or yes, William, or yes, Eli Faylet, as the case might have been, or sometimes only plain yes, and how he, with the expertness gained by many rehearsals, gathered her into his arms and printed a kiss on her brow, or her cheek, or her hair, or behind her ear, but only in the rarest of instances, on her lips, and how the happy pair, now forever united, until the next performance, stood looking out over the footlights, 
estimating the box office receipts and the amount of paper in the house until the curtain fell and the thoughts of the audience turned to the inner man? And then, what happens next? There are inquisitive souls who ask that question. Will they live happily ever afterward? Or will the matrimonial bark encounter one of the many obstacles which somehow have been forgotten? The dramatist, looking upon marriage, or its forerunner engagement, as the end of all things, neglects to tell us. Starting with a variable number of eligible young persons of opposite sex, he has paired them off in such combinations as his experience tells him will be pleasing to the magnate who produces the play, to the temperamental ladies and gentlemen who condescend to act in it, and last and most important, to that source from which all royalties flow, that unaccountable, irresponsible, conscienceless creature, the audience. To the very portals of marriage he travels with his charges, but there he leaves them to act as guide, philosopher, friend to others following in their footsteps. And then, perhaps they do not live happily ever afterwards. Perhaps she is extravagant, or he smokes in the parlor, or he repents his rashness in recanting bachelorhood, and she reflects, as his faults become plain to her, that she might have done better. And they do not increase and multiply and are unhappy, and so come to furnish material for another play. But of the time between, of the time immediately after she has said, yes, and before she has begun to say, no? Millie. Jack! So, so you're going to marry me? Yes, Jack. Isn't it wonderful to think that we two, just we two, <laughs> come? We have so much to say to each other. Isn't that so? Jack? Yes? Er, yes, dear? <laughs> now that we are alone, we are alone, aren't we? Of course. There's one thing I want you to tell me. Yes? Jack, when did you begin to love me? Well... Yes? When I began to love you? Yes. Well, I think it was the first time I met you. Jack, you don't mean it. I am quite sure. It was in December a year ago. What? Just after Christmas. But that wasn't the first time I met you. It was long before that. Was it? Didn't you know it? It was at Barton's house party, Jack. Oh. <laughs> Barton's house party. So it was. And then the second time. When was it, Jack? The second time? Yes. The time after Barton's? Yes, Jack. Don't you know? Of course I know. You don't mean to say you've forgotten that also? I'm sorry. Sorry? I'm absent-minded. You know. 
and you loved me from the first time we met. Oh, and I thought everything would be so different. Now, Millie, don't get angry. I'm not angry, Jack. I'm hurt. Just hurt. I made a mistake. That's all. I thought the first time was later on. In December? Yes. Where? Huh? Where did we meet in December, Jack? Just after Christmas? It's on the tip of my tongue. Well? <gasps> at Phelps's. It was at Phelps's. You see, I know Millie. Am I right? Yes, Jack. <laughs> that was the time. Father was there, too. You see, I remember. And you made a hit with him. Coming home together, he said, Jack, that's an awfully nice young woman. I'd like you to know her better. He said that about me? <laughs> Why, that wasn't a marker to the rest of the things he said. Oh. You see, Father's been wanting me to get married off for years. Oh. I haven't said anything wrong, have I? Wrong? No! Oh, no. Go on, Jack. Look here. I'm not offending you. Offending? We haven't been engaged an hour. Father told me to be careful what I said tonight. With your future wife, Jack? Careful? Uh-huh. He said that if I was in any doubt, I should talk about him. Oh. Go on, Jack. What? Talk about him. Well, father's a great man. You know that. Everybody knows it, Jack. Of course. Father owns the biggest department store in town. Why... He started the department store idea. There were no department stores before Father. How intensely thrilling. His first store. Have you ever seen a picture of it? No. It wasn't as large as this room. And today there are more than 3,000 people working for Horrocks Incorporated. Father has to have someone to carry on the business after him. And it would break his heart to have it go out of the family. He wants me to grow into his boots. And is that why he wanted you to be married? <laughs> Indirectly, yes. I don't understand, Jack. You see, a man's so much steadier when he's got a wife. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> I have to be going. Already? Father will be waiting. What do you mean? He'll want to know what happened. What happened? Whether you said yes or no. Oh. So he knew you were going to ask me? Of course. You told him? Uh, well... You had the audac... Or... Perhaps he told you. Come, fess up. Well, he said, 
If you haven't asked her before morning... Yes? <laughs> he said, you can go to work for $10 a week. So, you asked her. <laughs> well, what do you think? And you knew she'd accept? <laughs> well... Well... I wasn't sure. No. But father was. You little beast! Millie! Now I haven't offended you again, have I? Offended me? Ha! It's only my way of talking. I don't mean anything by it. That's just... No! I didn't think so. Now, Millie... I was only fooling, Jack. Tell me more about it. Not if you're so touchy, Millie. Touchy? No. I'm just a little excited, that's all. Don't you think any girl would be if she knew she was going to marry the son of Horrocks Incorporated? Father's waiting for me. Let him wait. It's only ten. Oh, Father likes to get to bed early. You see, he's always at the store when it opens. Makes it a point to be the first one down. But tonight, Jack? He won't mind staying up a little later tonight. Mm -hmm. You only have a block to go. I don't know. Father said that we'll I We'll write should... him a note, Jack. A note? Explain matters. I'll send it round with the butler. Uh, father mightn't like it. He'll have to give in to me this once. He'll be up, won't he? Oh, you bet he will. At any rate, till I get home. Ring the bell for Robert. What are you writing? Finished already. It, it can't be very long. It doesn't have to be. Dear. Yes, miss? Take this right over to Mr. Horrocks. Take it over yourself. Yes, miss. Any answer? No. Just give it to Mr. Horrocks himself. And hurry, Robert. I don't know how he'll like it. Leave it to me, Jack. Come, sit down. Just think. All the questions I'm dying to ask you. Questions? What questions? You're not afraid to answer me, are you? I thought that didn't come till you were married. That's still some distance away, Jack. You're 26, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And your father's been anxious to have you married? Ever since I left college. Oh. Jack, what is her name? What do you mean? You know what I mean. Millie! Oh, that's nothing for you. But I'm engaged, Jack. And engaged girls can discuss all kinds of subjects. <laughs> but they do, particularly with their fiancés. Jack, if we can't have full confidence in each other now... Who told you? 
That's not a fair question. Why not? Oh, the things girls talk about. Yes. The things married men tell their wives. Oh. And the wives tell their sisters, and the sisters tell their best friends, and the best friends tell everybody else. Women can't keep secrets, you know that. Yes. What show is she with now, Jack? She's not working just now. Such a pity. She has talent. There's no doubt of that. How do you know that if you don't know her name? Why, I've seen her. Seen her? She was the fourth from the right, wasn't she? No, the second. You see? I know. And you don't feel differently toward me on account of it? Differently? How absurd, Jack. I never thought you were an angel. <laughs> She's a lady. A real lady. Much too good for that sort of thing. I could see that from where I was sitting. Her real name's Eliza, but she calls herself Corinne. I don't blame her. Corinne is a pretty name. And she's just as good-hearted as she is beautiful, isn't she, Jack? How did you know? She has talent. Real talent. Only they haven't recognized it yet. But they're going to someday. All she needs is a chance to make good. And you're going to see that she gets it, aren't you, Jack? You bet I am. She's been unfortunate, but she's a lady through it all. And no affectation, no airs about her. She's an awfully good little sport. A real pal. Only, your father can't see it that way. Did he tell you about her? That was why he was so anxious to get you married. He wanted you safe. Away from her. You knew all along? And never let on. <laughs> well, well, I can hardly believe it. I wanted you to tell me. Say, we're really going to get along. Aren't we, though? Millie, you're a good little sport yourself. Do you really think so? I never would have believed it of you. Thanks. Thanks, Jack. And do you want to know something else? I'm not even going to make you give her up. <laughs> what? Spoil a beautiful friendship? No, Jack. I'm not like your father. I know what it means to you. I appreciate such things. Millie. Are you shocked? Do you mean it? Do you honestly mean it? <laughs> Millie? understand me, do you, Jack? But your father will. You can be sure of that. <laughs> because he's coming here, Jack. I am expecting him at any moment. Uh, coming here? Is that what you wrote? You didn't have the nerve. But I did, Jack. Oh, 
You shouldn't have done it. He'll be angry. Oh, good Lord, he'll be angry. He never goes out at this time of night. Hasn't for years. Listen. Mr. Horrocks. Father! <laughs> Is that what she wrote you? Oh, may I read it? D Dear Mr. Department Store. You wrote that, Millie? Go on, go on! Please call for goods to be returned. The sequel was written by Percival Wilde and published in 1922. This production featured Eric Bill as Jack, Anna Simic as Millie, and Nick DeLucia as the Prologue, the Butler, and Mr. Horrocks. It was directed by Jeff Tagliaferro, edited by Duncan Lyle, and mixed by John Michael Schmidt. KTRP's logo and promotional artwork were created by Kat DeAndre. If you enjoyed this production, please consider making a donation to No Theatre, which has produced provocative, moving, and entertaining theatre in downtown Binghamton since 1993. No Theatre is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, and generous donations allow us to continue producing high-quality theatre. Visit us online at notheatre.org, and we hope to see you in our audience at 74 Carroll Street, Binghamton, New York. KTRP's theme music is Little Lily Swing by Tritachyon. Also heard in this production were The Pineapple Rag by Scott Joplin and The Smiler by Percy Wenrick. All are available through freemusicarchive.org under Creative Common Licenses. All sound effects were either original recordings or are available through freesound.org under Creative Commons licenses. Credits and more information about the music and sound can be found in this episode's description. I'm Tim Gleason, Artistic Director of No Theatre, and you've been listening to KTRP, the No Theatre Radio Players.